This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, Slick Bailey, lieutenant of Big Econvoy, the racketeer, drives a car filled with rough-looking men through the Blue Hills. On an errand which bodes ill for Clark Kent, who is Superman. Where are we going, Slick? We're going to pay a little call on a guy named Clark Kent. What for? Biggie Conroy's got an idea Kent is somebody else, see? So we're going to check up on it. Yeah? Well, who does Biggie think Kent is? That's a secret, Danny. But if Biggie is right, we'll be able to light our cigars with $1,000 bills and get away with murder. Boys and girls, the life of an expert helicopter pilot is all too often a chilly one, outlined in ice, blizzards, and nighting winds. So when Lieutenant Dave Gershowitz of the United States Coast Guard was told that his new assignment was in the south, his happy smile became as warm as the sun he was anticipating. Visions of palm trees and bathing beauties floated through the famous pilot's head as he asked his commanding officer, How far south do I go, Skipper? Plenty far, was the answer. To North Carolina, and then on to the South Pole with Admiral Byrd. What, exploded Gershowitz? I was thinking of Florida. But I wasn't, laughed his commander. Bird wants to try helicopters for polar flights in America and ask me for my best man. You're it. Good luck, Dave. And that is how Lieutenant Dave Gershowitz found himself aboard the Coast Guard cutter North Wind. To get to the frozen wastes of little America, it was necessary to penetrate the ice packs, and that was where the helicopters came in. Day after day, on 24-hour duty, three pilots took off in turn. Through a blanket of fog over jagged ice, they flew ahead of the caravan of ships, seeking narrow passages through the ice that would make safe steering for the following ships. Yes, Lieutenant Gershowitz was finally in the south, in fact, the most southerly part of the world, and he lived and froze there all through the Antarctic summer, while the temperature ranged from 29 below to 15 above. 
So, gang, hats off to the brave helicopter pilots whose daring contributed so much to the success of the bird expedition. And now, the adventures of Superman. Having reason to suspect that reporter Clark Kent is really Superman, a big-time racketeer named Biggie Conroy set out to prove it, realizing he could make a fortune from the underworld if he was right. But Kent sensed what was going on, and narrowly avoided several traps which Conroy set for him. Aware, however, that he might be exposed eventually, he put into effect a plan of his own. And that afternoon, Conroy read in the papers that Kent had been seriously injured in an automobile accident and was near death in a small upstate village. Suspicious that Kent was faking, in order to convince him he was not Superman, Conroy sent a squad of tough henchmen to seek the reporter and bring him to the racketeer's headquarters. Then, Conroy said, he could definitely prove whether or not Kent and Superman were one and the same person. Now, heavily bandaged from head to toe, Kent lies in a room in the home of a Dr. McIntosh in the tiny village of Clifftown. He looks up eagerly as the famous Batman in his guise of Bruce Wayne enters the room. Well, Bruce? So far, so good, Clark. Good. I had a tough time getting rid of your friends Perry White and Lois Lane Jim Olsen. Uh-oh. Especially White. He wanted to get every medical specialist in the country out here. <laughs> he would. Sorry, we can't tell them the truth and stop them from worrying about me. We can't tell anybody if we're to put this over. Oh, I know, I know. Now, look, uh, are you sure we can trust Dr. McIntosh not to spill the beans? Oh, positive. You see, I was able to do him a good turn one time, and he appreciates it. That's why I arranged this little show up here. I see. Uh, What about the publicity? How's that going? Swell. You made page one on every Metropolis paper, and most of the radio news broadcasts reported your accident. Good. Well, then Mr. Bailey and his crowd, whoever they are, should know about it by now. Oh, I'm sure they do. Now, if only they fall for it. Don't worry, Clark. They will. All the reports say you're near death. So you can't be Superman. Well, that's just what I wanted to say. Clark, I really take my hat off to you. This was really a clever stunt. Thanks, but that fellow Bailey, or whoever's behind him, is pretty clever too, Bruce. They almost had the goods on me a couple of times. Don't I know it? But I'm sure you've lost them good this time. I hope so. Oh, say, look, you and Robin are going to stick around here, aren't you? Naturally. Good. I'd feel better if you had some more support, though. More support? Yeah. What for? Well, just in case friend Bailey gets any bright ideas and comes sashaying up here. Oh, he won't bother. Well, maybe. But I'd still feel better if you and Robin had a few husky police officers behind you, because you know I can't lend a hand without giving the show away. Forget it, Clark. In the first place, the police force in this village consists of one constable, age about. 75. Uh-oh. And in the second place, if we called in reinforcements from outside, said reinforcements would naturally ask questions. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Questions we don't care to answer. Check. So just relax, John. No. I say Bailey and company won't show up. But if they should, well, Robin and I aren't exactly pushovers, you know. Oh, I know, I know, but... I but... tell you, forget it, Clark. Everything's going to be okay. Just relax. Well... I'm going outside and join Robin now. I'll see you later. Rob, uh, I mean, Dick. Dick, where are you? Easy, Bruce. What's up? Where are you? Over here, on the driveway. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I see you. Come on over here. Watch it. What gives, Dick? Maybe something, maybe nothing. Well, what does that mean? A car passed here twice in the last few minutes. Each time, it slowed down to a walk in front of this house, and the boys looked the place over. What boys? Gorillas in the car. Oh. See too clearly, but there seemed to be a bunch of them. Mm. Well, where's the car now? It went on down the street. 
Wait. I think that's coming back. Yes, yes, it, it had yellow fog lamps. Yeah, yes, car has too. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, stopping in front of the house. Yeah, it looks as if we're going to get company, Bruce. Could be. Quick, strip down to your Robin costume, Maya, just in case they spell trouble. My idea, exactly. Yeah, stay behind these bushes. Here they come. Oh, brother, count. Two, three, four, five, six. And here comes another one. Oh, lucky seven. Big boys, too. Well, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Well, here they come. You all set, Robin? All set, set, man. Now, what do we do, sail in first and ask questions later? Oh, no, they may be just coming to see Dr. McIntosh, you know. Oh, all seven of them? Well, uh-oh, look who's with them. Somebody you know? Yeah, that skinny fellow. He's Bailey, the phony painting contractor. Now I know this is trouble, Robin. Okay, what are we waiting for? Oh, just a minute. Looking for somebody, gentlemen? Huh? How are you? The doctor's secretary. The doctor is out this evening. Any messages for him? Just two guys. Go get him, boys. I'm right with you, puppy. Hello, sweetheart. I'm going to miss you. Oh, no, no, you're chitty. What are you doing, Robert? What are the dirty... Ah, that's a boy, by blackjacks. Batman and Robin fall to the dark, trampled lawn, unconscious. With Superman seemingly unable to help them, what will happen now? And now, back to the adventures of Superman! Engaging in a furious fight with Slick Bailey and half a dozen husky toughs on the lawn before Dr. McIntosh's house, Batman and Robin were slugged with blackjacks and knocked out. As we join them now, they are just regaining consciousness in the dark, otherwise deserted lawn. Robin. Robin. Oh, oh. Is that you, Batman? Yeah. Yeah, you all right? Oh, I guess so. Except my head feels like a pumpkin with pinwheels going around inside. Yeah. Phew. What happened? We were in a flight. Don't you remember? Oh, yes. Bailey and his gorillas. Hey... What happened to them? I guess, I guess they're gone. Oh, boy, was I a dope for getting in the way of a blackjack. Yeah, me too. Holy smokes. What, Batman? Up at feet, I'm hurry. Oh, my head. What's the matter? Did our friends come back? No, but I just remembered. Clark, who? Clark Kent. We left him inside the house. Come on. Here's Kent's room, Robin. Well, hurry up, Batman. Open the door. Okay. The room is dark. Clark. Clark. Where's the light switch? It should be on this wall. Yeah, here. Here, I got it. Great snakes. What the... Kent's gone, Robin. He's gone. But... But, but where? Bailey and his gang must have taken him away with them. Cheapers. And if I'm right, Robin, I'm afraid this is the end of Superman. <laughs> Dismayed, Batman stares at the empty bed, where Clark Kent had lain wrapped in bandages, unable to come to the aid of his friends, even to escape without revealing that he is Superman. Has Kent been taken away by Slick Bailey and his followers, as ordered by Biggie Conroy? Will the cunning racketeer now be able to prove what he suspects? 
that Kent and Superman are one and the same person, what will happen? The moment has never been more tense, gang, so be sure to listen tomorrow. Yes, don't forget to tune in again tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 15 of The Mystery of the Stolen Costume on The Adventures of Superman. copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Behold my process. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here. Aha! It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, with an exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as 11 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors in. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's f-e-n-i-x media dot u-s forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a Greek metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, with Clark Kent missing, the famous Batman makes an alarming prophecy to Robin, his young companion. Robin, I think Slick Bailey took Kent away. And if I'm right, then... What then, Batman? Then, well, this may be the end of Superman. Here's a little story, gang. It's almost guaranteed to make you laugh. I know it panicked me when I first heard it. It's a story about a tea that was given in New York recently to honor a visiting Chinese scholar. The committee that arranged the party, assuming that the foreign scholar would be unable to speak English, was somewhat disturbed. Under one of them remembered a prominent American author who had written many articles about Chinatown. As a matter of fact, one man said, I have heard him rattle off Chinese as if it were his mother tongue. So the author was invited to the tea. And as soon as the visiting scholar appeared, they were introduced. All the guests at the party gathered round to watch with interest as the American bowed, then rattled off everything he had learned in his contact with Chinatown residents. The Chinese listened politely, even registered great interest in what the author was saying. 
When the American had finished speaking, the scholar bowed gravely. Then, in perfect English, he said, I am grateful for your attempt to make me feel at home by speaking to me in my native tongue. Of course, everyone was astounded to hear him say that. They were, however, shocked and very much amused when asked what the American author had said to him. He smiled and answered, as nearly as I can translate his speech, it went like this. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. Some babe, huh? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. A lobster canton style, please. Thank you. Goodbye. Happy New York. Down the hatch. Well, of course, everyone had a good laugh. And no wonder, because it was funny. But it also taught a lesson which we'll discuss a little later in the program. So, keep listening. <laughs> And now, the adventures of Superman. Knowing that at least one and perhaps other members of the underworld suspected that he was Superman and were making efforts to prove it, Clark Kent hit on a scheme which he hoped would throw them off the track. Pretending to be seriously injured in an automobile accident, Kent stayed in bed in the village home of a doctor friend while the famous Batman and Robin stood guard. But Biggie Conroy, the cunning racketeer who was directing the plan to unmask Superman, was suspicious of Kent's proofs and sent a gang of husky followers to the scene with instructions to seize Kent and bring him in. Batman and Robin put up a fierce fight against Conroy's gang, but were finally knocked out. Now, a few minutes later, they have regained consciousness and have discovered that Kent is no longer in the house. Bailey and his gang must have taken Kent away with him, Robin. Holy smokes. Come on out to the car. We've got to go after them. Well, wait, Batman, how can we go after them? We don't know which way they went. Look, you saw them drive up. Which way did they come from? Well, from that direction, the Metropolis way. And the chances are they went back that same way. Come on, into the car. Can't you get any more speed out of this wagon, Batman? No, blast it. If only Kent hadn't made me leave our Batmobile at home. Yeah, I have. Listen, what did you mean before when you said this might be the end of Superman? Robin, there's only one secret I've ever kept from you. That's it. So be a good fellow and don't ask questions. Okay, Patty. Now keep your eyes peeled. Maybe you can pick up their lights on a curve. Uh, I've been trying, but all I can see are dark mountains. Okay. Now hang on, Robin. Hey, what are you turning off the road for? I remember there was a shortcut in here somewhere that goes down to the highway. I'm hoping this is it. Now hang on. Robin, there's the good old highway below. Oh, hot dog. This old shortcut paid off. Even if it did charm my back teeth loose. Hey, but now we are in a fix. What do you mean? We don't know if Bailey's car with Mr. Kent is behind us or ahead of us, or if it even came this way at all. Well, if it came from Metropolis, chances are it went back there. And with the start it had, it ought to be headed where we are now, because the shortcut only saved a few miles. Mm -hmm. Fair reasoning. If only it works out that way. And we'll find out, I hope. Now sit tight. Here's the highway. See anything? Nope. No, oh, wait. Just coming out of that curve up ahead. Now there's a car. Bailey's car had two yellow fog lights. Can you make them out? No. No, I can only see the back of the car now. Wait, the road is curving again. Well? Just a sec. Yes, it's got yellow fog lights, all right? That's our baby back. Now here's hoping. All a step on it, they're pulling away from us. They've got a fast car. Good thing there's so many curves in this road. Oh, no, what's good about that? We can pick up a little time by hitting in on the full throttle. Now hang on to your hat, chum. This is going to be a wild ride. What time is it now, Chopin? It's, uh, it's 
11 o'clock, Biggie. Yeah, slick enough boys should have been here with Clark Kent by now. I wonder what's holding them up. Oh, I don't get yourself all worked up, Biggie. You're pulling all the buttons off your vest. Why do you do that? Because I'm nervous, that's why. Look, Chopin, play me something on the piano. Well, there's something that'll kind of quiet me down. Yeah, sure, sure, okay, Biggie. What do you have this time? I don't care, I don't care. Anything, just get a beat in it. Ha, you know me, pal. Sit back now and get a load of this. How's that, Peggy? It's okay. Good, good. Hey, Peggy. Yeah? I've been thinking. Well, cut it out. I don't keep you around to think. Just play. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, look, when Slick does bring Kent here, what are you going to do then? To find out if he's really Superman, I mean. That's easy. Yeah? Tell me how, Peggy. Come on, tell me. You'll see soon enough. All I hope is that I didn't run into no trouble. Ha. You ask me, anybody that tangles with Superman is sure to run into Well, nobody asked, Jaghead. Well, shut up. Okay, okay. And stop playing that dopey number. I thought you liked it. Well, I'm already tired of it. Maybe something else. Have one more jumping it. Yeah, yeah, sure, Billy. Yeah, anything you say. How's this? Yeah, that's okay. Sure, I'm nervous today. Well, who wouldn't be? All the dough in the world just waiting to be picked up if I can prove Clark Kent Superman. Hey, Piggy. Now what? I've been thinking. Again? Yeah. Uh. Hey, look. Supposing Kent needs Superman, but he's really hurt bad from a car accident, and now after being dragged around, he dies on us. What happens then? That wouldn't be so good, but we gotta take a chance. Yeah, but that'd be a murder rap, wouldn't it? Well, sure, but we got to see that he don't die. We still got Dr. Bushmill here. He's one of the best doctors of rich. Yeah, but I don't like keeping him around. Especially with all the cops in Metropolis looking for him. Well, I don't like it either. We can't turn him loose on account he knows too much. And I don't want to take a chance on getting rid of him till this Superman thing is out of the way. So we just got to play it cagey, the lad. Yeah, but just the same with... All right, hold it, Chopin. It must be slick. Slick. At the door, you dope. Let him in. Oh, oh, okay. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. Maybe that's the cops. Maybe they traced out the Bushmill here. Maybe no, they... I don't think so. Yeah, but it could be. Well, there's only one way to find out. Open the door. <laughs> Trembling, the skinny, egg-headed piano player walks to the door as Piggy Conroy steps quickly to a desk and removes a revolver from a drawer. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. While Biggie Conroy stands by with a revolver in his huge hand, Chopin, his skinny piano player, opens the door. Then several men carrying a large burden walk into the room. Hello, Slick. Hey, Biggie, what do you want this guy? Holy smokes. Is that Clark Kent? <laughs> that ain't Little Red Riding Hood, Chopin. Bring him over here and put him on the couch, boy. Okay. Come on, fellas. Yeah. Oh, this guy is almost happy, Biggie. Look how he's all wrapped up on them bandages. Like one of them mummies he looks. Sure, he was in an awful bad accident, huh, Biggie? That's what we're going to find out. Okay. What's down, guys? <laughs> yeah, that's... Now, uh, Biggie... Just a minute, Slick. You and Chopin stay here. You other guys, take a walk for yourselves. Okay, come on, Joe. Uh, hey, listen, Biggie, we... Shut up. It's awful quiet. Is he uh, still alive? Yeah, let's see. 
too many bandages on him to feel his heart, but I can feel his pulse. That's what I've been doing all the way here. It's good and strong, though. Yeah. He's alive, all right. He's probably conscious, too. Oh, he ain't, but you can see. He could be faking, you know. <laughs> How about it, Kent? He don't answer. No. Well, if he really is Kent and is unconscious, he wouldn't answer. But if he's Superman and don't want us to know he is, he wouldn't answer either. And that's right. So how are we going to find out if he's Superman? That's easy. Just watch me. We'll know in a minute. Leaning forward tensely, Slick Bailey and Chopin watch Biggie Conroy as the racket boss prepares to determine if Clark Kent is really Superman. What can Superman do now to preserve the secret of his double identity from these criminals? Or if he makes a move to stop them, they'll know the truth. Never before was Superman in such a desperate plight, fellows and girls. Can you see anything he can do to avoid discovery when Batman and Robin, his only hope of rescue, are not here, where Superman needs them most? Whatever you do, don't miss tomorrow's thrilling episode, game. Be sure to tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, for Chapter 16 of The Mystery of the Stolen Costume on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men. Who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, while pretending to be unconscious in the home of Biggie Conroy, the racket boss, Clark Kent realizes he is in a desperate plight as he hears Biggie say to his followers, Men... I think Clark Kent is Superman, and I'm going to prove it right now. Just watch me. Listen carefully now, gang, to what I'm about to say, because what you will hear is a warning. That's right, a warning designed to put you on the alert, so that you will be aware of a dangerous booby trap. Most of you, I'm sure, know what a booby trap is. But just to jog your memory, I'll tell you that a booby trap is a vicious, deadly device of war. It can be a phony flower pot, a pretty picture on the wall, a comfortable chair. Just anything innocent looking, but rigged and set to explode the moment it is touched by an unwary sucker. Yes, that's what they are in war. But ideas can be booby traps, too, believe me. You can fall victim to ideas that sound innocent enough when you hear them, but you find that they explode in your face if you attempt to use and apply them in your daily life. Now, one phony idea that any other person is not as good as you because of his race, his origin, or the way he worships God is a booby trap idea. 
It's a deadly explosive rigged by bigoted, prejudiced people with premeditated intent to set friend against friend, neighbor against neighbor. Yes, that booby trap idea can make a nation weak and a people divided. It can even lead to war. We know that that's true because we saw it happen when the German people fell for the phony booby trap idea of the master race. It certainly exploded in their faces, didn't it? Well, the same thing can happen to us if we fall for that stuff. So let's be on the alert against the phony ideas of racial prejudice and religious bigotry. The idea of booby traps that are waiting for suckers to bite. Let's be aware of the danger and do our utmost to resist attempts to pit Americans against other Americans. And now, the adventures of Superman. Believing that members of the underworld suspected he was Superman and were attempting to prove it, Clark Kent tried to throw them off the track by pretending to be seriously injured in an automobile accident. But Vicky Conroy, the racketeer who was directing the move to unmask Superman, was suspicious of Kent's accident. And that night, as Kent lay wrapped in bandages and supposedly unconscious, a gang of Conroy's men overwhelmed Kent's friends, the famous Batman and Robin, and captured the reporter. Realizing that if he beat off the men, he would reveal his identity as Superman, Kent had no choice but to let them take him to Biggie Conroy's house, with his only hope that Batman and Robin would be able to trail him. Now, still wrapped in bandages and pretending to be unconscious, Kent lies on a couch in Biggie Conroy's living room. His mind races desperately, seeking for some escape, as he hears the big racket boss speak to Slick Bailey, a henchman, and Chopin, his piano-playing companion. Maybe Kent is what he makes out to be, a newspaper reporter. But me, I think he's Superman. And here's where I prove it. What are you going to do, Piggy? Just keep your eyes open, Chopin, and you'll see. Hey, what's the idea tonight, Piggy? <laughs> Can't you guess, Slick? Well... No, neither can I. Well, just watch me, boys. In a minute, we're going to find out for sure if Kent is Superman. Now, I'm going to... Hey, what the... Hey, that's the door. Somebody's at the door. Holy smokes, who can that be? I don't care who it is. We can't let anybody in now. So be quiet. We'll we'll make out like nobody's home. Boy, I hope it ain't the cops, Biggie. I shouldn't be the cops. Oh, we got Dr. Bushmill here, you know. They traced him. They... I think it's just one of the boys. I don't care who it is, I tell you. We can't let anybody in. Open the door. Hey, it is the cops, Biggie. Uh, let me think. Biggie, I told you we should have got rid, rid of Dr. Bushman. Now we'll get a kidnapping. Right? Anybody found out we got Kent? Yeah, that too. We know you're in there. Open that door. Hey, quick, you guys. Help me stow Kent onto the sofa. Yeah. Oh, right right Look at him, Biggie. He'll slice the place. Ah, yeah, well, we'll have to take that chance. Get under the couch with it. Push. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. If they find Bushman in the basement, we might get the chair. This is your last chance. Oh, the door will be great. Yeah, just a minute, just a minute. Yeah, that does it. Go on, Chopin, play piano. Hurry up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Slick, get that scared look off your face. Okay, okay. They're coming, coming. Sorry it took me so long to open the door, officer. You're uh, Conroy, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, we, we didn't hear you at first. We were having a little party, a little music. Yeah, that's right. Close the door, Burke, and watch. Okay. You, stop beating that piano. Yeah. Okay, Carter. Look here, officer. What's the idea of barging in like this? I'm a citizen. I pay my taxes. Skip and it, I... Conroy. In case you forgot, your pal Mike Hickey isn't running Metropolis anymore, so you can't kick the law around and get away with it like old time. I don't know what you mean. You shouldn't ought to say things like that. No, we ought to pay the law. Cut it out. 
Conroy, we spotted you on the drive a little while ago and trailed you here. Oh, trailed us? There must be some mistake, officer. I've been right here all evening. I Cut it out, Conroy. I tell you, we trailed your car here. Up to this street, anyhow. And we just identified the car in your drive. But I tell you, I wasn't out in my car. That's right, officer. He was right here. You can tell that to the judge. I tell Yeah, we clocked you at 65 miles an hour on the drive. So here's your ticket for speeding. Huh? For speeding? Well, I'll be... Uh. <laughs> You, you mean that's all you... Shut up, Chopin. Come on, Bert. Let's go. <laughs> How do you like that? Oh, boy, I thought we was dead pitchers. <laughs> Me too. And all I wanted was to slip us a ticket for yeah. speeding. <laughs> yeah. Okay, enough comedy. Let's get back to camp now. You guys help me get him out from under the sofa. Oh, come on. One, two, seven, two, Adam Street. File out. Okay, Batman. I hope this is the right place. The license bureau said the car we followed and lost belongs to Biggie Conroy, the racketeer, didn't they? Well, sure, but... And this is Conroy's house. Now, come on. Make like a mouse. But Biggie Conroy didn't jump us in Clifftown and maybe take Mr. Kent away. There was Slick Bailey in his curator. Hasn't it occurred to you, Robin, that Bailey could be working for Biggie Conroy? Maybe that could be. Conroy's a big operator. And how? Now, hold it. What's up? Two men coming from the garage. That's right. We're just two little kids. Quiet, Robert. Come on. Here they come, Ben. Now, when I get the word up and out, make it fast and quiet. Jack. Something went into these bushes. Now, Robert. Yeah, man. What are you trying to get this? I'm going to get on the sandman. And I'm not going to kill you, son. Feel my guns. Oh! Nice going, Robin. They'll sleep for a while. Uh, now what, Batman? You see that balcony on the second floor extending out over the driveway? I'm practically on it right now. I get my rope. Here goes mine. Oh, bullseye. I'll loop the other post. Good shot. Come on now. Shoot the balcony. Oh, check. Save Batman. Save your breath, Robin. Climb. Yeah, but it just occurred to me. We took care of two gorillas just now, but there was a car full. Maybe we should have brought a few cops along so as not to hide in the whole show ourselves, you know. I don't know for sure that Ken's here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Up you come. All set. Now we walk in and look for Ken. That's the match. I hope this French door is not right. Yeah. Come on now, Robin. What the? Who turned the lights on? We did, sonny boy. Batman, he's got guns. So I see. Three of them. Yeah, we got guns. So don't try nothing smart. Dismayed, Batman and Robin face three hard-faced men, each of them holding a revolver. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Batman and Robin made their way into Piggy Conroy's house by way of a balcony, only to be surprised by three of Conroy's armed henchmen. Now, as they stand at gunpoint, one of the men says, Just make one move, you guys, and you get plugged. Red, Nick, tie him up. Uh-oh. What do we do, Batman? What can we do, Robin? That cannon pointed at us. As Batman and Robin stand helplessly, 
Clark Kent is equally helpless in another room of the house, where he has been placed on a couch again by Biggie Conroy, Slick Bailey, and Chopin, the skinny piano player. His eyes closed, feigning unconsciousness. Kent is unaware of Batman and Robin's predicament, but he is deeply aware of his own, as Biggie Conroy stands over him, a large knife in his hand. What are you going to do with the knife, Biggie? I'm going to cut the bandages off our pal here, Chopin. Cut the bandages? Well, what for? Don't you get it, Slick? Kent's supposed to have been seriously injured in that auto accident, see? He's all bandaged up like a mummy. Well, yeah, but... I think the accident was a phony. The kid is into thinking he ain't Superman. You see, I figure he ain't hurt at all. Oh, I get it. You're going to cut the bandages off. And if he ain't hurt... Right. We'll know, speak. And is really Superman. Good idea. Well, here goes. Leaning forward, Biggie Conroy begins to slash the heavy bandages from Clark Kent, who, powerless to move without revealing that he is Superman, knows that in another moment, his great secret will be known to his enemies. What can Kent do? And what if Batman and Robin in great danger in another room of the racketeer's house? The moment was never more tense, fellows and girls, so don't fail to be with us tomorrow, same time, same station, when we bring you the thrilling, smashing climax of The Mystery of the Stolen Costume on... The Adventures of Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Biggie Conroy, the racket boss, begins to slash the bandages from Clark Kent, who pretends to be seriously injured and unconscious, Kent, within his own mind, acknowledges defeat. You have my bandages on the boot. Then you'll see I wasn't even scratched in an accident, and you'll know I'm Superman. But if I try to stop him, you'll know it anyhow. So there's nothing I can do. Nothing. My double identity will no longer be a secret. Well, boys and girls, you know the other okay, day... but don't move. I got a little automatic pointing at your back. At, at my back? You heard me. But when we're on the air, you can't interrupt a program like this. No. I'm doing it, ain't I? Well, what, what do you want? I want you to say a few things. Just like I tell you. All right. What should I say? Say, the announcer on this program is the Jake. What? I certainly will not say that. I got a gun here that says you will. Okay, okay. The announcer on this program is a jerk. Good. Now, say, but we forgive him because he was born that way. 
But we forgive him because he was born that way. Okay, now turn around slow and take a look. But remember, there's a gun in your back, so no false moves. All right. But, why, holy smokes, it's Superman! April Fool. Oh, oh brother. Oh, I fell for that one. Well, don't feel too badly, Bob. Lots of us fell for April Fool tricks today, so you're just one of the mob. Boy, I certainly am. And after all, Bob, April Fool jokes are lots of fun and no harm, so you can just laugh them off. But you know, gang, it's not so funny to be an April Fool all year long. It's not so funny to fall for traps and phony stories that aren't meant to be jokes. For instance, there are always those smart Alex who go around trying to trick us into believing that people of one race or religion are better than those of another. Fall for that baloney, and brother, you'll be the fool of the year. So, don't ever fall for the sucker bait that says that one man is better than another because of the color of his skin or the way he worships God. That would make you an April Fool all year long. And now, the adventures of Superman. Knowing that certain criminals suspected he was Superman, Clark Kent tried to throw them off the track by pretending to be seriously injured in an automobile accident. But Biggie Conroy, a big-time racket boss, was suspicious. While Kent lay swathed in bandages, pretending to be unconscious, Conroy had him seized and brought to his house. Realizing that if he fought or even moved, he would betray his identity, Kent could only lie still, his eyes closed. While Conroy, preparing to cut away Kent's bandages, said to his henchmen... If Kent is all banged up, we'll know he ain't Superman. But if he ain't hurt, then we'll know for sure he is Superman. Meanwhile, Kent's friends, the famous Batman and Robin, having traced him to Conroy's house, knocked out two of the racketeer's guards and climbed to an upstairs balcony. But as they entered the house, three other men, armed with guns, surprised them. Now, while Biggie Conroy begins to slash away Kent's bandages, we find Batman and Robin standing at bay in an upstairs room as a burly man pointing a gun at the dynamic duo directs his two companions to use their upraised blackjack. Knock on cold, shut down. Biggie's coming downstairs and can tell us what to do. Here they come, Batman. What do we do? Just take your cue from me, chum. I'll take care of the big guy, get you. And give it to this chair. Okay, Robin. Yeah, man, get to work. Hey, what's that noise up there? I don't know. Superman, go see what it is. Yeah, yo, okay, Piggy. Hey, there's a couple of the boys got in a fight. It's over now. Go ahead, Piggy. Get the rest of the bandages off, Kent. Okay, slick. I just about got them off. Hey, Piggy. Piggy. Now, what's yeah. the matter? There's two guys coming down the stairs. They got on costumes and masks. Come on, Robin. Let's take these characters. I'm right with you, Piggy. Holy Batman. smokes, Batman and Robin. Where's my gun? Digger. Oh, Digger. Oh, Digger. Digger. Haven't we met before? Hey, you come to Bubba. Hey, Conroy levels his gun at Batman, and more of his followers pour into the room. Clark Kent grabs for a moment, reaches to a table behind his head, grabs a heavy ashtray, and throws it toward the ceiling where it strikes the light, but shatters it, and plunges the room into darkness. of Superman's blows, and then lie still. Only Kent and Batman remain standing. Casting a quick look about him, Kent strides to a table in the corner where a lamp still stands erect, turns a switch, and sends a soft glow of light into the room. What? 
Kent. Yes, you got here in the nick of time, Batman. You mean you did? I wondered what made all these guys drop so fast. I knew Robin and I could. Hey, wait. What happened to Robin? He's right here. Knocked out for a moment, but he'll be all right. Are you sure? Yes. Now listen, Chum. Oh, wait, your bandages are slashed. Did Conroy find no, out? No, he didn't. But he was just going to when you and Robin showed up. Now listen. We'll tie these lads up, and then you phone for the police. Tell them they'll find Dr. Bushmill locked in a room in the cellar. Dr. Asa Bushmill? Yes, Conroy abducted him, as I figured. He's all right, but Conroy and his playmates will go to jail for life if they manage to beat the chair. Great. They'll never be able to prove you Superman then, even if they still suspect you. Right. Okay, let's get busy with your rope, Batman. I want to be back on that couch, apparently dead to the world, when Biggie Conroy wakes up and the police get here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Robin's coming, too. Yeah. Better hop back onto your couch, Bart. He and I'll finish this little laundry. Okay, Joe. Oh. Oh, my head. Batman. <laughs> Bertie's singing a nice song, sonny boy. Oh, you're not kidding. Christopher Columbus. Don't tell me you called off all these gorillas by yourself. Well, I, I had a little help. You mean me? Shucks, the joint was jumping when I passed out of the picture. Well, look, Batman, you don't know your own strength. Okay, cut the comedy, Robin. We've got things to do. Pick up the phone and call Inspector Henderson and tell him to roll his biggest black Mariah down here. Oh, okay, Batman. Hey, hey, Clark. Yeah. I was afraid to give the show away. Yeah. Batman, you want to need that crack about me? I almost did, Batman. Hello, headquarters. Well, I want to report that Batman and Robin have a load of Easter presents. Happily, Clark, Kent, Batman, and Robin wait for the police to arrive and start Vicky Conroy and his followers on their way to the penitentiary, or perhaps to the electric chair. And now Superman's long ordeal is over, and for the first time in weeks he dares to relax. But if he were aware of a scene that is taking place at this very moment, hardly a mile and a half away, he would spring into action with all the speed and power at his command. For a new threat already spawned is menacing the man of steel and those closest to him. A cunning, treacherous, deadly threat. The type that strikes to the heart in the dark and leaves no sign. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. In an untidy little office in a small soda bottling factory, two heavy-set men who bear a strong family resemblance sit at identical desks. They are in their middle thirties and have pale, beefy faces, tight lips, and pale eyes. Behind them, at the dirty window, another man sits on a case of empty soda bottles. A boy of about thirteen who resembles the two men at the desks stands between them as he is being questioned. Go on, tell us just what happened, Ralphie. Well, I went to see the two kids first. Well, I told them what you said, that they'd better not show up on Saturday or they'd be sorry. Joe, what did they just do? Just a minute, George. You didn't tell them we said that, did you, Ralphie? Of course not, Dad. I said I was speaking for myself and all the other kids. Good. What did they say? They said they had just as much right as anybody else to be there. And to be in on the competition, too. And they were going to be there. Oh, they said that, then. We'll fix their hides a dirty little... Now, take it easy, No, John, you heard Ralphie said. Well, I say we go to those kids' houses and teach them a lesson. Show them they ain't got no right to mix with our kind. What do you say, Henry? Well, I, uh, want to hear what John says. I don't care what he says. I heard him... Shut up, George. What did you do then, Ralphie? Well, then I talked to Jim Olson. Jim Olson? Oh, he's the young daily planet reporter. Uh-huh. And he's kind of in charge when the coach can't be here. John Guy. Snyder. What did he say? He ran me off the field. What? what? Ran you off? Yeah. He said I was a rotten American and I had a filthy mind. And he said if I showed up around there again, he might lose his temper and beat my ears down. Oh, he did. You hear that, John? He called Ralphie, your son, a rotten American. He stood up for those other dirty kids and he threatened Ralphie. Are we going to stand for that? No, George, we're not. Now you're waking up. Let's go to work tonight. Now, hold it, George. 
We're going to work, all right. But we're not going to stick our necks out. Now, uh, I've got an idea how we can handle this. Safe. Let's hear it, John. I think it's time something was done about those two kids, too. And about this chill. All right, now listen. We've given those two boys ample warning, but they wouldn't listen. So we're going to take care of them another way. To show all the others like them, we mean business. And to show everybody else in Metropolis what it means to stand up for kids like that, we're going to take care of Jim Olsen, too. His pale eyes cold as ice and his flat voice edged with hate. The man called John outlines a vicious plan to his companions. A plan which means great danger to cub reporter Jimmy Olsen and two unknown boys whom Jimmy has apparently befriended. Who are these men and the boy they call Ralphie? What has Jimmy Olsen done to incur their displeasure? Who are the two unnamed boys? And what will happen to them and to Jimmy? We're beginning an exciting new Superman adventure, fellows and girls. One which will keep you on the edges of your chairs from beginning to end. Be sure to be with us tomorrow at the same time, same station, for Chapter 1 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. It's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending... Today, a man who is as yet not known to Superman speaks of a mysterious threat to one of the Man of Steel's closest friends. 
You say Jim Olson wouldn't listen to you when you gave him our message about those two kids, Ralphie? That's right, Dad. The pawn called me a rotten American and ran me off the field. Okay. That does it, then. Now we'll teach that young man a lesson. One he won't ever forget. At this moment, gang, an 81-year-old explorer, holder of the Congressional Medal of Honor, sits near the window of his home in New York and remembers. His eyes are feeble from the effects of snow blindness, for seven trips to the Arctic with Rear Admiral Perry have left their mark. It was way back in April 6, 1909, that Matt Henson went exploring with Admiral Perry, and with him became the first man to reach the North Pole. He first joined Admiral Perry on an expedition to survey a canal across Nicaragua in 1887, and remained with Perry for nearly 20 years. During that time, Mac was rated as assistant to the Admiral and was said to have been the best hunter, dog team driver, and Arctic expert among all of Perry's group. When Perry and his men came within striking distance of the North Pole, the Admiral ordered all others back to the ship, all except Matt Henson. Then the two of them, with their dog team, started a hazardous trek alone over the ice into the frozen wastelands of the Arctic, the dangerous journey that led them finally to the discovery of the North Pole. Since then, Admiral Perry has many times frankly admitted, I couldn't get along without him. And these words are inscribed on a gold medal that was given this month by the Geographic Society of Chicago, one of the highest honors ever given to any man for scientific achievement in the geographic field. And Matt Henson is the first Negro explorer ever to have received it. Together with the Congressional Medal of Honor, which our government awarded him many years ago, this is a fitting tribute to Matthew Alexander Henson for the great work he has done for his country and for the world. Adventures of Superman. A week has gone by since Clark Kent, with the aid of Batman and Robin, foiled the attempt by Biggie Conroy to prove that Kent was Superman. During that time, believing his troubles were over when Conroy and his followers were carted off to jail, Kent, who was supposedly suffering from injuries, secluded himself in his apartment, unaware that other enemies were preparing new and serious trouble for himself and his friends. Now in the large, busy city room of the Metropolis Daily Planet, Beanie Martin, the copy boy, stops at the desk of cub reporter Jimmy Olson. Hey, Jim, Mr. Burrow says for you to write a new lead on this story. Jim. Huh? What'd you say? I said Mr. Burrow wants you to write a new lead on this story. Oh, what story? This one. What for? On account of he says this one is no good, that's what for. And he wants to know what's the matter with you. He says this is the worst lead you ever wrote. What is? Jumping geraniums, Jim. What is the matter with you? Oh, nothing. Nothing? I've been standing here talking to you, and you didn't even hear a word I said. What are you talking about, Beanie? You see? You've been like that for a couple of days now. Oh, I've got troubles, Beanie. Are you broke, maybe? I can lend you a buck or two. If... No, thanks. It isn't money. Well, then what is it? Well, I don't want to talk about it. But look, Jim, I'm your friend. Maybe I can help you. No, you can't help me. I... I don't know if anybody can. Jeepers, is it that bad? Oh, excuse me, that's my phone. Hello? Yeah, this is Jim Olson. Oh, hello, Coach. What? Sure, I talked to him. Just long enough to tell him what I thought of him, and then I told him to chase himself back into his rat hole. A bowl of rotten little... Well, I don't care what it may mean. Those boys are just as good as he is. A lot better. And if he thinks he can push them around, he's got another thing coming. Jeepers, what's going on? Look, I'm not worried about myself, because I don't think they've got the guts to do anything. But I wouldn't back down on this, even if it meant my life. Yeah, you bet I will. Okay, I'll be seeing you. So long. 
full of rotten, dirty... What goes on, Jim? <laughs> they can scare me into backing down. They're crazy. Oh, what do you mean? I don't want to talk about it, Beanie. Beat it. But, Jack... Beat it, I said. This is my problem, and I'll work it out myself. No matter what happens. Okay, okay. Gee whiz. I better sing this line about this. <laughs> Miss Lane, when Mr. Kent was acting goofy? Yes, Beanie? Not hearing you when you spoke to him and then saying something wacky, maybe, that didn't have anything to do with what you asked him? Yes, what about it? Well, Jim's caught it. Jim Olson? Uh-huh. Didn't you notice? Why, well, no. I've been out of the office for a couple of days, Beanie, on a story. Why, what's wrong with Jim? Well, that's what I want to know. He sits around moping, not hearing anything you say to him. But why? I don't know. When I pinned him down just now, he said he's got troubles. Really? What sort of troubles did he say? Uh-uh. Wouldn't tell me anything, except I couldn't help him. In fact, he said nobody could. For heaven's sake. And just now we got a phone call from somebody named Coach or Coates or something. Coates? Something like that. I couldn't hear what the fella said, but Jim got crazy mad. He said he told somebody off and he wouldn't back down now, not for anything. Not even if it meant his life. Good heavens, Beanie, that sounds serious. I think I'd better... Oh, hi, Mr. Kent. Hello, Beanie. Oh, Clark, I'm so glad. You're just the person I want to see. Yes? What is it, Lois? It's about Jim. Beanie tells me he's been acting very strangely. Strangely? Yes. What do you mean by that, Beanie? Well, he's worrying so hard, Mr. Kent, he's getting wrinkles. Is that so? Uh-huh. And he's all the time blooming all over the joint. And, and, you know, not hearing when you talk to him and then giving you goofy answers and stuff like that. That's not like Jim. Jim got a phone call just now, Clark, from somebody named Coates. Do you know anybody named Coates? No, I don't think so. Well, anyhow, Beanie said Jim got very angry. I never saw him so bad. And he said he wouldn't back down now, not even if it meant his life. Wouldn't back down? On what? He wouldn't tell me. All he'd say is that he's in some bad trouble. I was going to talk to him, Clark, but now that you're here, well, 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 you know, Jim's always sort of looked up to you. I'll talk to him, Lois. Matter of fact, I'll talk to him right now. I know you're in trouble of some kind, Jim, and I want you to tell me about it. How did you... Oh, Beanie's been popping off, huh? Well, Beanie's worried about you. And so are Lois and I. You are in trouble, aren't you? Well, yes, I am. Judging by your face, it's serious. Yes, but... I'd rather not talk about it, Mr. Kent. Come on, now, maybe it would help to talk it out, Jim. I think you know you can depend on me. Oh, of course I do. And I might be able to help you. But, golly, it makes me sick to talk about it. Even to think about it. You are thinking about it, Jim. You're obviously not thinking about anything else. So, come on. We've been pals for a long time. Tell me what's wrong, huh? Let me try to help you. Well, look, Mr. Kent, are you doing anything right now? I mean, can you go someplace with me? Well, sure. Any place you say, Jim. Okay, then, come on. But please, don't ask any questions. Why? I'm going to show you something that will make your blood boil like mine does every time I think of it. Followed by Clark Kent, Jimmy Olsen hurries from the Daily Planet. What is the serious trouble he is in? And what is he going to show Kent? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Telling Clark Kent not to question him, Jimmy Olsen has taken the man who, unknown to him, is really Superman to the Metropolis Farmery, where an indoor track meet is taking place. The stands are well filled with spectators of high school age who are cheering noisily for the young competitors in the track and field events. Puzzled, Kent follows Jimmy, who has donned an official's badge, onto the field beside the oval track where a race has just been concluded. I don't get it, Jim. Why did you bring me here? Well, this is the Westside City Playground meet, Mr. Kent. 
I'm the manager and kind of assistant coach of the Unity House track team, you know. Yes, I know, but what's that got to do with this serious trouble you're in? Oh, plenty. Your you see, please. wait a minute. Here comes an announcement. Results in the first race. The 220-yard dash. The winner, Howard Jones of Unity House. I Jim, let's see who wins the 50-yard dash. Who's your boy in this? Uh, Bobby Lee, number five. Oh. Watch him run, Mr. Kenny, like lightning. Yes, sir. Yeah, he'll win this race hands down. There goes the starter's pistol. They're off. Jim! 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 Jimmy, what happened? I don't know. He just fell down. Great Scott! He... Jim's been shot! His eyes wide, young Howard Jones kneels with Clark Kent beside the limp, unconscious body of Jimmy Olsen. Who shot the young cub reporter? And why? What is the serious trouble in which Jimmy was involved and about which he has not yet had an opportunity to tell Kent? Fellows and girls, this is the beginning of one of Superman's most exciting and important adventures. And you won't want to miss a single installment of it. So be sure to tune in again Monday, same time, same station, for Chapter 2 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at the same time. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Browsers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Superman! 
it's Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, in his guise of reporter Clark Kent, Superman sets out grimly to track down whoever was responsible for shooting Jim Olsen at an interplayground track meet in the Metropolis Armory. For Pete's sake, Sergeant, why don't you hold and search everyone in this crowd? Oh, now, look, why are you letting them leave before we find the man with a gun that shot Jim Olsen? I mean, you calm down for one minute, Kent. I'll tell you why. All right, I'm sorry. Please go on. We don't have to search for an armed man. You don't? No. I'm sure we've got the whole thing figured out. We think we know who shot Olsen. The sun beat down upon the crowded sidewalk, teeming with men and women of every language, race, and religion, where the 9th Street A.C. was playing baseball in New York's Lower East Side. The 9th Street boys weren't big fellows, all around 14, 15 years old. That day, the thinnest and scrawniest of them all, but their best hitter, was a bat when... Cheese it! screamed a small kid in alarm. Here come the Tiger Gang! Around the corner, on the run, came a mob of 17-year-old mugs, tough, pool room hangers-on, the gangsters of tomorrow, who roared down the block, shouting insults as they came. The Ninth Streeters, outweighed, outnumbered, started to dive for the nearest alleyways and cellars, when Benny's voice halted them in the tracks. Hold it, fellas, he yelled. I'm sick and tired of running from those bullies. I ain't budging. A howl of glee came up from the oncoming 12th Street gang. The biggest of the mob rushed Benny with murder in his eye. They seemed so unfairly matched that it was like watching the fight between an angry wasp and a furious lion. But this time, to the undying memory of every boy there, the angry wasp won, and the lion wound up looking like a blob of raw beefsteak. And in the crowd, watching that now historic fight, was a fight promoter who, in Venice, saw a future champion. He gave him his chance, and that plucky East Side boy became the undefeated lightweight champion of the world, Benny Leonard. In a few minutes, I'll tell you more about this beloved champion. So keep listening. And now, the adventures of Superman. For several days, Jimmy Olsen, cub reporter for the Metropolis Daily Planet, has been acting strangely. And in a telephone conversation with an unknown person, was heard to say that he would go through with something, even if it meant his life. Then to reporter Clark Kent, who, unknown to all, is really Superman, Jimmy admitted that he was in serious trouble. Finally, he agreed to take Kent into his confidence. First, however, he asked him to accompany him to the local armory, where the Unity House track team of which Jimmy, his manager, was competing with several other playground teams. But as Kent, Jimmy, and a young Unity House runner named Howard Jones heard the crack of the starter's pistol announcing the beginning of a race, Jimmy suddenly spun about and fell to the ground, unconscious. He had been struck by a bullet. As we continue now, it is a few minutes later. The track meet has been halted and police officers have taken charge. In a dining room downstairs, Kent and Howard Jones stand by tensely as a doctor examines the pale and silent Jimmy Olsen. How is he, doctor? Is he... Just a minute, Mr. Kent. Will, will he live? Oh, yes, son. He'll live all right. Oh, thank heaven. Oh, gee, that's swell. If the bullet had come an eighth of an inch closer, though, it would have penetrated his skull. Gosh. Fortunately, though, it just grazed him with enough force to stun him. Are you sure, doctor? I mean, he's all right otherwise? I think so. I can't see any other injuries. He should recover consciousness in a few minutes. Oh, that's fine. Something very important I must find out from him at once. I'm afraid that will have to wait, Mr. Kent. What do you mean? He should rest and be kept very quiet for a day or two. Oh, oh, oh. 
I see. I can't possibly permit you to question him before. Well, tomorrow at the earliest. Yes, of course. I understand. I just hope that won't be too late. You see, I, I think Jim knows who shot at him. I mean to get my hands on whomever it was if it's the last thing I ever do. Mr. Kent, I don't think he meant it. You don't think who meant to what, Howard? Oh, uh, well, what I mean is... Well, well, I can't imagine anybody shooting Jim. He's such a swell guy. Just the same somebody did shoot at him. He tried to kill him. Whoever it is may still be in the armory, and if he is, I'll find him. I'll be back soon, Doctor. Uh, you wait here for me, Howard. Sergeant Healy. Oh, hello, Kent. How's young Olson? It's going to be all right. Thank the good Lord for that. He's a fine lad. One of the best. I'm going to find the devil who tried to kill him. Don't you worry about that, Kent. Wait Wait a minute, Sergeant. Most of the people who were here, the spectators, are gone. Why didn't you hold them? There was no reason to. Most of them were youngsters. No reason? Wait a minute. What's the matter? I'm looking for the gun. What? I'm looking for somebody with a gun. He hasn't left yet. I'll spot him. (laughs) Look, Kent. Do you think if anybody in here did have a gun, he'd be waving it around for us to see? No, of course not. He'd have it hidden in his clothes. Well, how do you expect to see it? Huh? Maybe oh, you well, think I, you're I... Superman. Huh. Yeah, yeah, maybe. What? Skip it, Sergeant. Skip it. No, I'm afraid he's not here now. Who isn't? A man, whoever he is, who shot Jim. Nobody in the crowd here now has a gun on him. Well, I don't know how you know that. But anyhow, the man with the gun didn't get away, Kent. What? He didn't get away. We've got him. You have? Sure. But I don't think he's a devil like you called him. I'm thinking it was an accident. An accident? What do you mean? Take it easy, chum. I think what must have happened was an accident. Because this Claridge fellow is a well-known guy. He couldn't have had any reason for shooting Olsen. Well, who's Claridge? City official for playgrounds. He was the starter for the races today. He shot Olsen, but he didn't mean to. It was an unfortunate accident. The poor fellow's all broken. No, no, you're wrong, Sergeant. He didn't shoot Jim. Well, he must have. Didn't Olsen fall right after Claridge fired his gun to start the race? Yes, but the starter shoots blank cartridges. And besides, yes. I just put a real bullet got mixed up with the blanks somehow. Oh, no, no, Sergeant. I was standing right with Jim. And I saw the starter fire toward the ceiling. So even if there was a real bullet in his gun, he couldn't have hit Jim. You must be mistaken, Kim. Well, I'm not. I'm sure of it. Somebody else shot Jim and timed his shot with the starter so it wouldn't be noticed. Now, who in his right mind will take such a chance as that and in front of a big crowd? I don't know, but I'm ah, going to... Ah, you've been seeing too many movies, Kent. The starter shot Olsen, not meaning to, That's of course. ridiculous, sir. Yeah? Well, we found the bullet. And I'll bet you a new hat. Our ballistics man says it came from the starter's pistol. I don't bet, Sergeant, which is lucky for you because you'd lose. Say, wait a minute. Howard. Who? Howard Jones, he knows something about this. He's one of those Unity House boys, isn't he? Yes, I think maybe he can clear this thing up. I'm going to see him right now. Oh, there you are, Howard. Where's Jim? The doctor drove him home, Mr. Ken. Oh. Uh, i, I got to go now, too. No, wait, Howard. I I, uh, I want to talk to you. Uh, not now, Mr. Ken, please. i got to get home. My folks are waiting supper for I, I won't keep you long, son. I just want you to tell me what you know about this shooting. Uh, I, I don't know anything about it. I think you do, Howard. No, sir. No, I don't. Now, look. Jim told me he was in some serious trouble that obviously involves you. Because he asked you if it would be all right to tell me about it. And you said yes, so... But that was before Jim was shot. Right. All the more reason to tell me what you know. No, sir. No, not me. I don't know anything. Nothing at all. i got to go home now. My folks... Just a minute, Howard, please. Please, mister. Kent, let me go home. I I tell you, I don't know anything. You know a lot about Jim's shooting, but you're afraid to tell me. Isn't that right, Howard? Yes, sir. I mean, no, no, sir. Oh, please let me go, Mr. Kent, please. What or of whom are you scared, Howard? Tell me. I I just don't know anything. 
Now, look, I saw how you acted when you thought Jim might die. You're very fond of him, aren't you? Yes, sir, I am. And don't you want to help me find the person who tried to murder him? Yes, but but he didn't try to murder Jim. That bullet was meant for me. What? Yes, sir. Oh, golly, I shouldn't have said that. I'm getting out of here. Oh, Howard, wait. No, please. Please don't try to make me talk. I don't want to be killed. Panic-stricken at what he has said, young Howard Jones darts from the room. Clark Kent stares after him, worried and puzzled. What did the boy mean? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Across the street from the armory in the twilight shadows, a heavy-set man with beefy face and pale eyes stands by a small sedan. A boy of about 13, his eyes wide with fear, stands beside him. You did it, didn't you, Uncle George? I did what, Ralphie? You shot Jim Olsen. Shut up, you little fool. You did. I know you did. That's why he sneaked up in the balcony where nobody'd see you. Will you shut up? You had your rifle under your coat. You got it there right now. I can see so it. So what about it, shoot Olsen? He stood up for those two kids, didn't he? Yeah, but she was murdered. I didn't murder him. Besides, it didn't even mean to hit him. I was aiming at that dirty Howard Jones kid. I would have got him, too, if Olsen hadn't moved in front of him just when I was pulling the trigger. But Uncle George, you almost killed him. So what? He was told not to let that Jones kid and the other one like him that... Bobby Lee run against our kind. He needs a lesson. But Dad said there wasn't to be any killing. He said he had his own way to handle it. I don't care what your dad said. I got my own ways of doing things. Wait. There he is now. Who? Howard Jones. See? He's just come out of the armory. He's running like that bus. Let's get moving. Wait, Uncle George. Where are you going? He won't get away from me this time. Uncle George! Eat it, Ruffy. Mind you, keep your mouth shut or it'll be too bad for you. What are you going to do? I'm going to get to that dirty Jones kid, that's why. Oh, no, you mustn't. That's... Uncle George, please don't. Uncle George, please, please. Alarmed, Ralph calls after his Uncle George, who, a maniacal gleam of hate in his pale eyes, is pursuing the bus in which Howard Jones is riding. What have Howard Jones and Bobby Lee done to incur the deadly enmity of George Mason and his brother John? Jimmy Olsen has just missed death by the slightest fraction. Now, what will happen to the young track star, Howard Jones? We'll learn the answers to these questions in tomorrow's thrill-packed episode, fellows and girls. So be sure to listen. Tune in, same time, same station, for Chapter 3 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. 
with Superman unaware of the trouble that is brewing in Metropolis, an ominous scene takes place between a man named John Mason and his son, Ralph. Look here, Ralphie. Did I understand you to say your Uncle George shot Jim Olson? That's right, Dad. He hid in the balcony of the armory, and now he's gone after Howard Jones. <laughs> what? Yeah. We saw Howard come out of the armory and get on a bus, and Uncle George jumped in his car with his rifle and went after him. He said he wouldn't miss Howard this time. The crazy fool. How long ago was this, Ralphie? I guess... About half an hour ago. Um, it's too late to stop him, then. I'm, I'm afraid that boy, Howard Jones, is done for by now. You know, gang, the Potawatomi Indians, who originally lived in Chicago, which is now known as Chicago, used to say that the first white man to settle at Chicago was a dark man. By that they meant Jean-Baptiste Pointe-de-Cible, a French-speaking Negro, who made the first permanent settlement on land that would one day become the great city of Chicago. Sometime around 1790, Pointe de built a frontier home consisting of a bakehouse, smokehouse, poultry house, and dairy, a workshop, and a horse mill, a barn, and two stables. Here, for 16 years, he lived with his Indian wife, Catherine, his daughter, Suzanne, and his son, Jean-Baptiste. Here, the Potawatomi Indians came to trade, and the English and French stopped to rest and stock up on food and water. Built in the midst of a prairie, this pioneer's lone settlement stood on the frontier like a challenge to the wilderness, a symbol of civilization to come. For the rough log cabins were to grow into the giant skyscrapers of Chicago. The little workshop was to expand into the factories that thunder and roar in the city. The canoes, stopping at the tiny settlement, gave glimpses of the future, of the caravan of trains and ships that today bring food and wealth to Chicago. Yes, gang, Planta Sabler was a true pioneer of civilization. He was a daring frontiersman who beat a trail through the wilderness, a trail that millions were to follow. He was the father of the city these men and women were to build. Chicago, the giant metropolis of the Midwest, whose people of many races and religions have made it one of the greatest cities in the world. And now, the adventures of Superman. Admitting he was in trouble, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen asked Clark Kent, who, unknown to all, is Superman, to accompany him to the armory where the Unity House track team, of which Jimmy is manager, was competing against several other playground teams. There, at the crack of the starter's gun, Jimmy fell to the ground, struck by a bullet. Fortunately, he was only slightly wounded, but he was unable to be questioned. So Kent grilled young Howard Jones, a member of the Unity House team, who Jimmy had said had knowledge of his trouble. Howard, obviously terrified, denied that he knew anything, but he blurted... The, the bullet that got Jim was meant... was meant for me. Refusing to say more, Howard left the armory and got on a bus to go home, unaware that the man who had shot Jimmy was trailing the bus in his car, a rifle by his side. Now in the armory, Kent has sought out Claude Thorne, Metropolis University track coach, who coaches the Unity House team in his spare time. Coach Thorne, was it you who called Jim Olson on the phone this afternoon? I, uh... Yes, it was, Kent. Well, may I ask what you phoned him about? I, uh, I'd rather not say. Now, please don't be difficult, Coach. I think that phone call was tied up somehow with Jim's being shot today. How could that have anything to do with what happened today? I understand Jim was shot accidentally when a real bullet somehow got into the starter's gun. No, no, that isn't true. My guess is that somebody timed his shot to coincide with the starter's pistol. And Jim got the bullet intended for Howard Jones. Howard Jones? Oh, no. That's what Howard told me a few minutes ago. Howard must be mistaken. They wouldn't dare go that far. Who wouldn't dare? The... Yes? Look, 
Kent, if you're right about the shooting not being at next, you take my word for it. Then perhaps I'd better tell you what I know. Now, we're getting someplace. Go on. A few days ago, a boy came to see me. He said his name was Ralph Mason, that he belonged to the Grove Street Playground track team, which was to compete against ours today. Well, after a few unimportant preliminary remarks, he had the nerve to say I've come to tell you that we fellows down on Grove Street want you to kick Howard Jones and Bobby Lee off your team. Kick them off? Yes, sir. We won't run against them. Why? Afraid they'll beat you? No, but they're... Well, they're colored boys. Oh. That's it? Yeah. We kids won't compete against colored kids. Ralph, you should be ashamed to talk like that. It makes you and your friends poor sports and bad Americans. Of course, if that's the way you feel... Why, you go right ahead and withdraw from the track meet on Saturday. Well, we don't want to do that. Why can't you just throw Jones and Lee off the Unity House team? Nothing doing. They're two of my best runners. They made the team in fair competition. But they... They're different from us. Not at all. It's just that their skin's a different color. Is that so? Well, yeah. And... And that's all. Otherwise, they're just the same as you. Same number of eyes, ears, arms, legs, fingers, toes, everything. What difference does it make if their skin is darker or lighter? You know, it makes a lot of difference to us. Not to me. My job is training boys to be good athletes and good Americans. They play hard and clean and obey the rules of the game and the laws of our country. That's all I ask them. What did the boys say to that, Coach? Went away muttering that I'd be sorry. Oh? Next day, Howard and Bobby both told me Ralph had warned them to compete on Saturday or something bad would happen to them. He threatened them, eh? Yes. Both boys then offered to resign from the team because they said they didn't want to cause us any trouble in the rest of us, that is. Naturally, I wouldn't hear it. Naturally. Then Ralph went to see Jim Olson with the same story, and Jim told him to beat it or he'd knock his ears down. Good for Jim. Look, Coach, you saw this boy, Ralph. Do you think he would actually go so far as to try to shoot Jim? Frankly, no, Kent, I don't. And besides, I know he didn't fire that shot. Oh? How do you know? Because I saw him on the field at the time. Oh, I see. And there's something else. What's that? Ralph phoned me this morning, asked me if I'd changed my mind about having Jones and Lee compete today. When I said I hadn't changed my mind, he said, okay, he'd warned me. And while we were talking, I distinctly heard another voice, a man's voice, telling him what to say. A man's voice, eh? Yes. That's why I called Jim. I told him if adult bigots or racial fanatics were mixed up in this, he might be in for trouble. Oh, I see. Well, now I'm convinced Howard was right. That shot must have been meant for him. Why? Because I think a fanatic would go for him first, not for Jim. In that case, Howard may be in danger right now. Oh, you're right, Kent. But look, you... do you know where Howard lives? No, I don't. Wait a minute. Yes, his address is on the entry list. I've got it right here. Oh, good. Hurry, hurry. What is it? Uh, here it is. 1059 Franklin Street. 1059 Franklin? Yeah, that's out near the city limits, I Yes, think. I know where it is. All right, so long, Coach. I'll see you later. room is empty. Out of these clothes. <laughs> Some rotten bigot tried to shoot Howard once today. He won't hesitate to try again. So I'd better hop out to his house in a hurry. That's Superman. There we are. All set. I'll just raise this window. So. Now, up, up, and away! <laughs> From the window of the armory into the evening sky, Superman streaks away, bound for Howard Jones' house. But he won't find Howard at home, because at this moment, the boy is in great peril. And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Proceeding along a dark, almost deserted street, a bus is approaching the city limits of Metropolis. Through the windows, only the occasional lights of a few scattered houses and stores show on the dark, littered, empty lots. 
The only passenger in the bus, young Howard Jones, has risen to his feet and stands up front near the door where the driver is talking with him. Say, the Sydney Playground Championships are next Saturday, aren't they, Howard? That's right, Bill. Hey, if I can get off, I'll come up and see you run. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll be in the championship. <laughs> what? Are you kidding? After you set a new record in a 220 tonight? Wow. Ah, you're a sense to win a 220 next week in the broad jump, too. Eh, so what's this about you not being in the championship? Well, you see, Bill, something happened tonight. Ah, like what? Well, Jim Olsen, the manager of our team, was shot. He was almost killed. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I heard about that. They say a real bullet got into the starter's pistol by mistake. No, Bill, I think that was deliberate. What's more, I... Well, I think that bullet was meant for... For... What were you going to say? Oh, nothing, Bill. You say that car still following us. Huh? What car? Oh, oh, you mean that one behind us? Yeah, it's been following right behind us ever since we turned off the boulevard. Wonder why? Uh, no lights in the street, and the driver probably doesn't know the road, so he's letting me lead him. Uh, lots of cars do that at night. Oh. Well, here we are, Howard. <laughs> I see Hanson's getting ready to close his door. You better shake a leg if you want to get your dance paper. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Uh, you're welcome. Go ahead, cross the street. I'll wait. Thanks. Good night, Bill. Good night. Oh, and don't forget, I'm coming up to see you win the city championships next week. Okay. <laughs> What the... That car. Howard! Howard, look out for that car! Oh, my gosh! He'll be killed! Howard! Look out! Shouting along, the bus driver sits transfixed as he sees a small sedan traveling at high speed. Door open behind it and bears down directly on Howard Jones. At the wheel of the car, his pale eyes gleaming with hate is George Mason, who once before today tried to take young Howard Jones' life and almost destroyed Jimmy Olsen instead. How will Superman, who is looking for the boy, save Howard Jones, whose only crime is the color of his skin? Don't miss tomorrow's dramatic episode, fellows and girls. There are thrills and surprises in store for you, so be sure to tune in. Same time, same station, for Chapter 4 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Superman, strange visitor from the planet Krypton, who came to Earth with amazing physical powers far beyond those of mortal men, and who, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for a great metropolitan newspaper, wages a never-ending battle for truth and justice. Today, as Superman streaks to the home of young Howard Jones, the boy track star leaves the bus and steps into great danger. Night, Howard. See you at the playground championships next week. Okay. What the? Look out for that car, Howard. Holy smokes, he'll be killed. Howard, look out! 
Down through the ages, history and science tell us the peoples of the earth always suffered an adventurous sort of wanderlust that made them travel all over the globe. But it always took great courage and stamina for them to go where no human being had ever been before, to speak in places that had never heard a human voice, and to walk on earth that had never felt a human footstep. America was once a place like that. Our own country was once a land in which there was nothing human. There were only animals, insects, reptiles, and birds, which live in a sort of lush jungle of overgrown vegetation. And then one day, people came. No one knows just how they got here. Some think they came from the land we now call Siberia. And it's a good guess that they crossed over from Siberia to America on the ice. You see, the Bering Strait, which is the water that separates Siberia from Alaska, has been known to freeze hard enough so that people can walk all the way across from one land to another. So these people, who were strong enough and brave enough to come over the ice, became the first human beings to set foot on the continent of America. Thousands of years later, Columbus came here and found these people, whom he called Indians. These Indians were the first Americans. Well, that gang means that technically all modern Americans except Indians are foreigners because everybody else came here from other lands after the Indians were already here. But actually, all of us from all countries and of all colors and religions, no matter when our ancestors happened to come here, are Americans because America is our home, the home of the brave and the land of the free. Let's keep it that way. The Adventures of Superman. Disregarding the threats of a boy named Ralph Mason, cub reporter Jimmy Olsen, manager of the Unity House track team, entered two colored boys in a playground track meet. At the start of a race, a shot fired by Ralph's Uncle George, who was hidden in the balcony, raised Jimmy's head and narrowly missed taking his life. Laker Howard Jones, one of the Unity House track stars, nervously told Clark Kent, who is Superman, that he believed the bullet was meant for him. Then, obviously frightened, the boy refused to say any more. Left for his home in a bus, unaware that George Mason, the man who had almost killed Jimmy Olsen, was trailing him in a car. As Howard left the bus at the dark, thinly set city limits, George Mason swung his car around the bus, and stepping on the gas, bore down on Howard at high speed. At that moment, fearful that Howard was in danger, Superman is speaking through the dark sky on his way to Howard's house. About a hundred yards overhead, his keen ears catch the wild shout of the bus driver. And looking down with the man of steel, takes in the situation at a glance. What? Wait, Scott, that's Howard. And he's going to be run over. Down! Down! Taking his headlong flight, Superman plummets downward like some great flashing eagle. Then in the flick of an eyelid, he sweeps young Howard Jones from the path of the maniac car a split second before it roars past. You all right, Howard? Yes, sir. Holy smoke, you're Superman. That's right, son. Now, we've got to you take You saved a... my life. Oh, golly, thanks, Superman. You're welcome, son. Up with you now. We're going after that car. Up, up, and away! There's the car just ahead, Howard. I'll stop it and we'll have a talk with the driver. Down! How are you going to stop it, Superman? Just put my hand on it like this. Holy smokes, you stopped it like it was a toy. What's that, my car? I did, mister. Who are you? Superman. Superman? That's right. You realize you almost ran this boy down? What are you talking about? I, I didn't see the boy. I didn't see anybody. This, this is a dark road. You line. saw the bus stop. Why didn't you wait like you're supposed to? Oh, I, I didn't expect anybody to cross in front of the bus. Sorry, I scared you, boy. No, that's okay, mister. I, I guess you couldn't help him. Well, as long as nobody's hurt, I'll be good. Just a minute, please. What's your name? George. 
George Brown. Did you ever see this man before, Howard? No, sir. Why, what's it to you? Oh, just wondering. All right, you may go. Come on, Howard. I'll see you home. I want to have a little talk with you. I didn't mean to shoot Jim Olson. I was aiming to plug the Jones kid in the leg so he couldn't move. Aren't you out of your mind, George? How could you take a chance like that and then try to run Jones down in your car? Well, Jones wouldn't listen when Ralph told him to stay out of the contest with white boys. The Unity House coach and Jim Olson wouldn't listen either. So I had to show those colored kids we meant business. Yes, George. But there are other ways of showing them without flirting with the electric chair. Well, maybe. But that Jones kid got me sore. Another colored boy, Bobby Lee. They told Ralphie they had just as much right to compete as he did. They were right, George. What? Do you mean that? Of course. The Constitution guarantees equal rights to all citizens, regardless of their race, color, or religion. You know that. Doggone it, John. Are you standing up for those, those colored kids? Do you think they should have equal rights? Not necessarily. But you've got to understand that's the law, George. They have constitutional rights. So you've got to be careful how you treat them. You must be crazy talking that way, John. No, George, it's you who are crazy. You're so blind with hate, you don't know what you're doing. Now, look. We're not picking on those kids because we have anything against them personally. No? Then why are we... It's because we want all people of their race to feel they're not as good as we are. Yes, but... We employ 35 of their kind in our factory, George. Now, as long as we keep them in their place, they'll work for less money than we would have to pay our kind. It's a cold business proposition, that's all. I know that, John, but aside from that... Now, George, stop being a crazy fool. Like those race fanatics, or you'll spoil everything. Dad. Hey, Dad. Uh, yes. What is it, Ralph? The police car just turned in our street. Police? Uh I've been expecting them. Uh, Quick, George, get out of the house. The back way, hurry. All right, John. Now, Ralphie, you remember what you're to say. Yeah. Yeah, Dad, I remember. Fine. Now, keep cool. Here they come. Do I understand, Sergeant Healy, that you're accusing my son of threatening those two colored boys? That's right, Mr. Mason. I told them to resign from the Unity House track team or they'd be sorry. Oh, no, I, I... I can't believe it. He also threatened the coach of the team and the manager, Jim Olson. Ralphie, is this true what the sergeant and Sitkin say? Well, I... I did say we kids on the Grove Street team didn't want to compete against Howard Jones and Bobby Lee. Why? Just because they were colored? Yeah. I... I can't understand this, gentlemen. Why, Why I employ 35 colored people in my business, and I'm sure Ralph has never heard me talk of them with anything but the highest consideration. Isn't that true, son? Well, well yes, Dad, but... Just a minute. Ralph, what do you know about the shooting at the armory this afternoon? Shooting at the armory? Yeah. Bullet creased Jim Olson, just missed killing him. Good heavens. Do you know about that, Ralph? Well, no. Only that, well, I heard the starter shot him by mistake. Well, that's what we thought. All except Kent here, till we found the bullet and discovered it didn't come from the starter's pistol. It came from a rifle. What do you know about that, Ralph? I don't know anything about it, Mr. Kent. Now, listen, One Kent. moment, Sergeant, please. Ralphie, look at me. I want the truth. Do you know anything about the shooting? No, sir. Honest, I don't. Well, I, I think you can take Ralph's word on this gentleman. He's never lied to me. Okay. We'll accept that. For now. Thanks, Mr. Mason. Let's go, Kent. Oh, wait, Sergeant. No I'll more time, Kent. We've got I... a lot of things to do. Come on. Reluctantly, Clark Kent leaves the Mason residence, unaware that the disarming John Mason is the real power behind the bigotry 
which already almost has resulted in murder. What will happen now? And now, back to the adventures of Superman. Shortly after Clark Canton, the police left the house of John and George Mason. The two brothers were again in conference. Well, George, I'm quite sure I threw the police and Clark Kent completely off the track. That's fine, John. Fine. But get this. I'm not going to let you get us into a scrape like this again. Well, what are you going to do? Lay off those colored kids? Of course not. We can't let Howard Jones run in a city playground championship next Saturday because he'll probably set another record. That'll get him lots of fine publicity and give all the members of his race big ideas. And we've got to keep them feeling inferior. And afraid of us. Now you're talking. Just leave it to me. I certainly will not leave it to you. Now look here, John. I'll be more careful this time. You can bet you will. Because this time you're going to listen to me. I figured out a splendid way to handle those kids so we won't have to worry about them anymore. Ever. And anyone who objects will be very sorry. Yes. Very sorry indeed. Pale eyes gleaming in his hard-lined face. John Mason, cold-blooded bigot, plans a new attack on innocent boys and on whoever attempts to defend them. What is John Mason's new plan? What will happen? A great deal happens tomorrow, fellows and girls, so be sure to listen. Tune in same time, same station for Chapter 5 of The Skin Game on The Adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Comics Magazine and is brought to you Monday through Friday at this same time. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!